Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. His name is Alan Klein, and he's an award-winning professional speaker and best-selling author. But he calls himself a jollytologist, the only one in the world. He shows audiences worldwide how humor can help them you deal with your everyday trials and tribulations and how to triumph over tragedy. Alan won a special award in 2009 for lifetime achievement from the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. But in my book, he should have won every award for professional speaking that's available. If you have a chance, go to his website and look up some of his speeches. And if you don't laugh after him, I'll give you $100 because really, <laughs> this is one of the best things you can do. Now, his books to be published in over eight different languages, and he sold over 500,000 of them in print. Welcome, Ellen Klein. Thank you. Thank you. Can I update what you just said? Nine different languages, over 600,000 books in print. <laughs> wow. Wow. You see, time goes on. And, you know, one thing I've learned as I've grown older is time speeds up. Have you noticed that, Alan? Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, I wonder where did last year go? And here we are in 2022, which um, I'm happy about because 2020, 22 is my lucky number. Why so, is it your lucky so number? Well, I think I realized that when I was very young, my parents were were um, married on May 22nd. And so I took that as my lucky number. And if we went to a carnival, I'd play 22 and I'd always win. <laughs> I don't know. I just see that number. And, you know, I told that to someone and it said, I'm not into numbers, but they said it was a like a primary number a positive number or something about it was special so awesome. whether whether it is or not in numerology it's my special number well and and you know i think 2022 is going to be an amazing year i think you know for me these last two years in which we've been dealing with covid in various respects have been downer years i mean they haven't been years we haven't been able to function properly and there's been covid and the overreaction to covid and the lockdowns and and all this stuff you know i i'm looking for some normalcy moving forward and i'm looking to getting some of my life back for now not but in the near future i think we're going to be able to step out of our cocoons and be able to be like butterflies uh going through a metamorphosis right and, you know, even those two last difficult years, what, and we can talk about that today, but what I try to do is look at the positive side. Now, today with COVID, you don't want to be positive, but, and, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, in your attitude, in your mind, in the way you um, live your life, I think you want to. You want to be positive. And I notice even in, in COVID, in the difficult years, two things in my life were quite amazing. One is, and we still do it, my daughter calls me every day at five o'clock. There are rare days we can't do it for one reason or another. And some days, and so this has been two years. We've been talking every day at five o'clock. And some days I get on and I say, Sarah, I have nothing to talk about today. And 30, 40 minutes later, we are still chattering away about something that, you know, her artwork or what I'm writing. Or she kept asking me about my grandparents because she didn't know them. And we shared that. 
Um, yesterday we were talking about um, giving uh, people gifts and how then, particularly young kids, and how they don't um, send thank yous anymore, even a thank you email. And you know why is that? And and we spoke like twenty minutes on that. And it's crazy. You, you know, I think we're going to look back and say, when in our lives were we ever able? to stay in our homes, enjoy the comfort of our homes without having going at this breakneck speed that we were going on. You know, it's called breakneck speed for a reason, Alan. Right. I know. (laughs) Breakneck. Yes. All right. Yes. So, you know, that was one thing that I think has come out of you know, the pandemic and continues with me and my daughter. And the other thing was, I never realized what kind of neighbors I had. And way at the beginning of the pandemic, I wasn't going to supermarkets very much. You know, you didn't know what was going on. You just wanted to keep away from people. I had neighbors who would go grocery shopping for me all the time. If I wanted them to go to Trader Joe's or Costco, it didn't matter. One woman even said, you know, one Costco didn't have what you wanted. I went to a second one. Oh, my goodness. Another man in the neighborhood said, well, I bought a lot of flour. I cook a lot. And if you need flour, I have five pounds. And he put it on my doorstep. I mean, another woman baked bread every week and would bring me fresh homemade bread. I mean, I, I I was just astounded. And this went on not like for a week, you know, not like for a month. This went on month after month. And if one neighbor couldn't do it, another, they would call the other neighbor and said, you know, Alan needs some vegetables or fruit that, you know, can you go for him? It, I it, truly, it. it truly is amazing. And, and I hope that's the goodness we're going to see more and more of that's come out because, you know, we don't have, you look at the news and every day there's bad news on it. Every day there's stuff that's going on it that you don't want to hear. And, and you know, in one of your videos, uh, Alan, you talk about spelling relief as L A U G H. Laugh. Right. And, and laugh is, is something we need to do more of. So let's right. talk about right. that a bit, Alan. Let's talk about how it's so important to laugh and how so important it is to do these things. And, and, and laughter and, and laugh to you is an acronym. It's a word that you put together. So let's go through that. Let's start with the letter L. Okay. So L is let go. Because if you're carrying around anything, if you're stressed out, you cannot laugh. So the first notion of getting more laughter in your life is start to letting go. So, you know, I would do this in keynote speeches and it would be very interactive. So we'll be a little interactive today, even though. I'm here, you're there, I, we don't know where other people are, but they can do this in their own space at their own time. So one of the ways I got my audiences to begin to let go, I would, everybody would get a, a balloon, simple little balloon, and I would ask them to blow whatever they were letting go, any anger, any stress, any upset into the balloon and then hold on to it. So let me see. I'll do that. Okay. Then I said, okay, when I count to three, I want you to let go of the balloon and let go of that stress. So one, two, three. (laughs) I love it, Alan. So could you imagine 500, 1,000 balloons? You know, if there was that many people in the audience going around the room? (laughs) It it was just, and people just, what happened? They start laughing. They forget about the problem, the stress they blew into the balloon. That's important. I think that's very important. Another big point you make is about forgiveness and how forgiveness is something we must do. How would you make, 
or bring it to home that people could forgive in your lectures, Alan. Okay. So we didn't go over the A-U-G-H, but we'll go. <laughs> uh, you know, under under L, I, st- I have forgiveness on oh, my Oh, that's head. fine. Yeah. That's, I have forgive others that's and forgive fine. yourself. That's, fine. That, that's how I got that from one of your old, old, old books from about oh, 30 okay. years ago. All right. Um, not a problem. So, um, yeah, you know, I think one of the example, best examples I can give, uh, this is from another book, Secrets Kids Know, was a teacher who was teaching kids about forgiveness. And she gave every student, if that's for me, would you tell them I'm busy? <laughs> or I have to call you back. <laughs> we'll call you back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it never helps. It never fails. It always happens when you're doing something. There's always a phone call. Right. Yeah. Well, that person could be with us if, if they want. <laughs> they, they could join our interview. <laughs> they could join the interview. Who knows? They might have some good tips of how to laugh. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're talking about forgiveness. I'm so sorry. forgiveness. So the teacher gave out these potato sacks to every student. And she gave them a number of potatoes, as many as they wanted. And she said, I want you to write the name of anyone on each potato who have made you angry, who have bullied you, who have um, upset you, who have angered you, and put them in the sack. And then she had them carry that sack around for a while. And the kids noticed it was such a great example of how heavy that was and how we carry those things around. And then she had them take one out at a time, say the person's name and forgive them. Now that, think, that is a good a, a visual image of what happens when you carry the stuff around. And in one of your books, you say it's like a polluted river and how, how that pollution just keeps on clogging up the river and, and doesn't allow you to move forward. So it's important that you move forward as a result of that. Right. So let's go to A for attitude now, Alan. Tell okay. us, how, how can you get a better attitude? So let me, let me do a little interactive thing with you. Um, I would like you to think about some little thing that stresses you out today. Little. We don't have much time together. Um, small little thing. You know, one of the things I hate is paperwork. I've always hated paperwork. Uh I've always hated doing that. And, and you know, we've just bought a new house. So there's so much paperwork. It's crazy. Mm. And and it drives me nuts. So I delegate it to my wife. You know, that's Uh the way a person like me does it. Dear, could you please do this? You're so much better at it than I am. Uh (laughs) So what I'd like you to tell us is first say, I don't like paperwork or what, however you want to phrase that about your relation to paperwork. And then right after it, you're going to say either, either ha ha, ho ho, or he he. So I first, hate paperwork. Ha 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 ha. So you're you know smiling. That? Yes, yeah. that makes you smile. Yeah. So what what did it do? It kind of changed your attitude by just playing with it. We're talking about play here, playing with the negative situation, because that's what humor does. That's what play does. You see things differently. And so you just forced yourself to see it differently and change your attitude towards paperwork. Absolutely. Okay, let's go on to the the next letter, which is the letter U. What does that stand for, Alan? Okay, so I cheated here. <laughs> if you'd forgive me, I could not find a word I liked with you, so I I changed it to Y O U. That you are the only one that can change your attitude. You are the only one that can let go. Nobody else can do it for you. So one of the things I suggest is people have something around to help them to do that, to change their attitude. So one of the things I always have is a red clown nose. And, oh, there you go. <laughs> your, your nose is bigger than mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not. 
be uh, size here. <laughs> Look at size. <laughs> it doesn't matter how big your nose is. <laughs> um, but what ha- if you looked in the mirror and you said, I hate paperwork and you had this on, you're probably uh, going to lighten up about it. So you you need to do you need to get some props around. You need to get what I like is photos of things that help me lighten up. So here's one of my daughter when she wanted a cream pie thrown in her face. Uh, she was a teenager for years. Hilarious. She wanted, Hilarious. Do this. And I just, I have that right by my computer and things aren't going well. I look at this. I smile. I lighten up. I remember that moment. And so I move on. Now, that's huge. Alan, we're going to have to pause for a minute so our sponsors can get their words in here. So we're just going to pause for a couple of seconds. Okay. We'll pretend we paused. Our, my producer will pick that up and we'll get going again. Okay. Great. So, Alan, just before we, we paused, we were talking about you. And by you, you mean Y-O-U. Right. Is there anything else on that letter that you want to talk about before we move on to the next letter? Well, you you um, brought up about the news. I, I don't know if that was pre-show when we were on air, but you talk about the negative news all the time. And it's so true. You know, you look at the top of the news and it's uh, one tragedy after another. So, um, again, it's up to us. Maybe not listen to the news for more than a couple of minutes. Maybe not listen to it um, before you go to bed. Um, But have things around to remind you to lighten up. So uh, the nose is one, but some I love having props around. So, like, because it reminds me of past or fun things. Like, when I grew up, I don't know about you, but the Howdy Doody was on TV. Remember Howdy Doody? So I have my little Howdy Doody keychain um, <laughs> that I like. You know, I have, Excellent. I have so I have. Uh, oh, currently, this is my current fun prop. You know who this is? Oh <laughs> yes, yes. So um, and even his mask even comes off. <laughs> fantastic fantastic i love it so you know i look at this and i I, and i play with it and (laughs) dr fauci put your note put your mask on (laughs) you know and okay it's a doll i'm a grown man you know but it helps me lighten up it helps me see see things differently excellent well the the fourth letter is the letter G and the letter G stands for go do it. What do you mean by that? So go do it. So one, what, what do um, cartoonists comedians do to get us to laugh? They exaggerate often, right? They take a simple thing and they exaggerate. So if you could take something like, let's take your paperwork. Okay. So what would happen? We're going to exaggerate here. What would happen if you didn't fill out all that paperwork for the house, the new house? Oh, I don't think I'd get my house. I think it would be going to somebody else. And then my wife will be very upset. And then she wouldn't love me anymore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah. And and so you start exaggerating. She wouldn't love me. You know, she might leave me. I might lose the house that I have now. You exaggerate and it becomes what absurdity, which is a kind of humor, a class of humor. And and you start to laugh when you exaggerate it so much that it becomes absurd. So that go that's one technique you can go do. Very important. And it's very important that people exaggerate that and, and, and realize that it really isn't that bad and it really doesn't matter that much. Last one is the letter H, and you use that for humor eyes. What do you mean by that? To open our humor eyes, open our humor ears, because there is humor all around us. One example, I was in the laundromat, and I looked on the wall, and there was a sign on the wall that said, when the machine stops, remove all your clothing. (laughs) 
<laughs> which I did. <laughs> and, and you promptly got arrested. <laughs> uh, and then I had to exaggerate. What's so bad about being arrested? No. Um, well, the point is that there is humor all around and we need to open our eyes and ears and look for it. Excellent. Excellent. I'm going to try now to change things a bit, my friend. And I'm going to bring up a screenshot here. And I want to do this. And I want now to view the slideshow. And we're talking today with Alan Klein, ladies and gentlemen. He's a, a humorist and a speaker, and he has a number of books out there. And we're going to talk now about a very special book. It is a book I've just read, and I love this book. It's called The Secrets Kids Know That Adults Ought to Learn. Do you remember this book, Alan? Um, I think I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I've written so many books that, uh, and you have too. And sometimes, you know, I love this book. Um, it's one of my favorite books I've written, but sometimes you forget <laughs> what's in it by, you know, years later. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I remember writing it. And my daughter did the illustrations. Interesting. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, Sir, I, I, I just want you to please let's pick up maybe three or five pearls from this book, three or five golden pearls that you could share with us today. Okay, so this is all, you know, things that kids, as the title says, kids know uh, and adults probably should learn. And one of them is to be curious. You know, we get uh, adults get into this uh, humdrum uh, experience. You know, they drive to work every day the same way or do the same things uh, the same way. And, and kids are so curious. And that's where the adventure, that's where the, some of the fun comes from. I remember I was watching, I was having lunch at a cafe. My dog was outside with me and this little kid came over. It was a golden retriever with a big, plume kind of tail and this little kid i don't i don't know ages maybe two i'm not sure and he was so fascinated with the dog's tail and the dog and the tail would wave and and there'd be a breeze and the kid would chuckle and laugh and love it you know try to grab it and the dog would move the tail and the tail would go somewhere else and the kid would laugh and this went on for at least 10 15 minutes and I realized, like, you know, a dog's tail became this whole world for this kid because he was curious about it. He was trying to grab it. He was playing with it. He, he kept felt the effects of it. So I think it's be curious, grow down. Uh, in Zen, they talk about beginner's mind. So look at the world through a child's eyes and be curious. So that's one little gem. Yeah, I think the, the key word is, uh, you know, we're always taught to grow up. We're always saying grow yeah. up. And, and you make a big point in this book of growing down and growing down and seeing the world through the eyes of a child, which I think is very, very important. Right, right. And one other is, um, you know, use our imagination. Um, all these major companies now, they have rooms where some of the employees can go and just sit and think or or they have stuff uh, interact to get away from the work and to use their imagination. Be a daydreamer. You know, kids are always daydreaming. And and I know uh, one kid I write about in the book, you know, she was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said something like, I want to be a chef. I want to be a horse trainer. And I want to be an astronaut. 
<laughs> and that was after she was told she should be a nurse. And she said, I, no, you're a girl, but you can be anything you want. You can right. be a horse. That's where she came up with all these things. Right. So I, I think it's important that you shouldn't be put into a category just because of your race, your sex, your color, or anything else. You should be able to go to anything you want to or grow to anything you want to. Right. So there's like imagination and also taking a break. I remember one of the books I was writing, The Courage to Laugh. I was getting stuck in some of the paragraphs. And when I took my dog for a walk every day, that's when I'd get the answers to my questions. That's when these incredible ideas would come to me. You know, so another gem, take a break. Kids are always on a break, you know, they, they, and they don't like one thing, they go to another. So take and a you break. make two more points, two more points I took away. Was oh. one one is be bold and eat your dessert first. You know, <laughs> you know that that is is a huge one that that I think we all forget about. That eating dessert first is not a bad thing. That that eating a dessert first is actually one of the best things uh, to bring home. Uh, yeah, and and you know you have to be a little careful with that. I was with friends who. We both believe in eat dessert, eat dessert first. And we asked the waiter, we sat down, he handed us the regular menu and said, we said, no, we would like the dessert menu. And he said, oh, does that mean you're not going to be ordering a full meal? And we said, we will be, but we want to eat dessert first. And he said, no, no, you have to have have your meal first. And we said, no, we don't. We want to eat dessert first. He did not get it. I mean, we finally convinced him to bring dessert, but <laughs> some people just don't get it. No, some people don't. And, and, you know, that's one thing that you also make a point of. You can color outside the lines, not necessarily inside the lines. I, I think many of us have this preconceived notion because as a child, we're told, and rewarded for coloring inside the lines. Right. You know, it's sometimes is better to color outside the lines. Think right. outside the box. That's a concept that people try to be. Uh, that's creativity and innovation. But, but it's so hard to get creative and innovative in this day and age because we're, we have all these preconceived notions. We right. can't right. break the mold. We can't just get outside of it. Yeah, when I was growing up, my parents took me to see my first Broadway show. We lived in New York City. And since that day, I wanted to be a scenic designer. And adults didn't understand it. You know, here I was seven years old wanting to be a scenic designer. And they had, what is a scenic designer? No, no, you, my father wanted to be a doctor. You know, my mother wanted me to play the accordion. <laughs> I mean, what's a scenic designer? And I went on to do that um, very successfully at CBS television. And one of the shows I designed was Captain Kangaroo. Uh, I think you may be old enough to know that show. Yes, I sure do. A lot of younger people don't, but it was a popular children's show, ran over, I think, 30 years. Um, but I think that's where I got my childlike um, thinking. That's because the bunny rabbit was tricking Mr. Green Jeans into giving him some carrots and did this elaborate machine. I was the one that had to make the machine. So I thought, how would a child make this? So I had to be playful. Um, so I think that's where I got my kind of think outside the box thinking that that served me for the rest of my life. Yeah, terrific. I, another thing you say in your book is it's OK to nap. And, and that's <laughs> something that that children do readily. And when they come back, most of the time they come back refreshed. But, you know, as adults, we fight it. We fight it like crazy. We fight that. And, you know. Uh, one of my professors, uh, when I was a dermatologist, he'd close his door at lunch every day and take a little nap. Mm. And he found that this was a way to be more productive. 
by the very fact that he took a nap every day. He could work more hours, do more things, do things that were very important. His name was Peter Lynch, and this was one of the secrets to his success of being a very, very productive doctor, which I think is something that all of us should learn from. Being productive means you have to shut down those stresses after a while so that you can get to a level and function at a very high level. You know, in a lot of European countries, I'm sure you know this, they take this siesta, right? They shut the shop at whatever time it is for lunch, come back three hours later and work again. Um, Yeah, I take naps regularly, usually at five o'clock. Well, I talk to my daughter now after the call at 530, I take a nap. Um, I take my dog out at three o'clock, which is my usually my low energy. And, um, you know, I think I think we need that as humans. We it's hard to work eight, 10 hours a day and, and keep going like that. I agree with you, Alan. Well, Alan, again, we have to take a break for our sponsors. We're already there. So thank you very much again. We will be back in just a few minutes, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. OK, we will pretend there. Five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking with Mr. Alan Klein. Uh, He's a wonderful gentleman, a public speaker, and he is a humorist. And I I think if you if you have a chance, you should go to his website, look up his TED talk, look up his his other talk that's on it and get a little bit of humor today. I'm sure you will be blessed. And if you can pick up one or two of his books, because his books are gems. In this day and age, we need to laugh. And Alan teaches us to laugh again. And his his very first book was this book right here. It is called The Healing Power of Humor, which he wrote a number of years ago. Uh, I I won't say how many many years, but he (laughs) will date him but you you notice how many tags i put on this book because i found his book so so enlightening and, and so important for us to move forward and and alan had a, a very sad event in his life uh many many years ago do you care to share that with us alan about your wife passing away yes um so we were um, happily married um, 10 years, and we were living in New York City. She was from San Francisco. I would visit her all the time. I was in New York City, and uh, we got married, and uh, we bought this wonderful Victorian house, which I'm in right now in San Francisco. And immediately after that, she got a rare liver disease, primary biliary cirrhosis. And at that time, there was no liver transplants. There were no cures. And the doctor said she had three years to live. And indeed, she did pass away three years later. That's very sad, Alan. And, and you know, the thing about that, though, is you make a point that your wife never forgot her sense of humor throughout the time that she was through her stage of illness. And maybe you could share some of that humor with us. You say a very funny story about the Playboy incident. Right. So she was in the hospital with a copy of Playgirl, Playgirl magazine, Playboy, Playgirl, Playgirl, Playgirl magazine back then. Playgirl magazine with the male nude centerfold. And she said, Alan, I really like this picture this month. Can you put it by the bed over there? And I said, Ellen, this is a hospital. Little risque for that. And she said, well, maybe you're right. So why don't you get a leaf from the plant over there on the counter and put it, you know, over that <laughs> that place. And I did that and things are fine for the first day, fine for the second day. But by the third day, the leaves start shriveling up <laughs> and we would start to laugh. You know, and we came home from the hospital and we would just look at a leaf or look at a plant and we would start to laugh. And then I look back and I realize it wasn't a lot of laughter. It was five or 10 seconds. But I also realized it helped me rise above the situation, 
gave us a reprieve, gave us a perspective that humor always gives people. And so I had a business in San Francisco. I gave it up. I went back to school to learn about death and dying. I became a hospice volunteer. And I also went to school to learn about therapeutic humor. And um, that's when I start writing The Healing Power of Humor. Wow. How many years did it take you to write, Ellen? Well, it, it was a stop and go thing. I, I had, uh, you know, to get a book written, I did a proposal. We got, uh, I think, the 13th rejection, third, lucky 13. We got a pub, wonderful publisher, started to write for nine months, and uh, they the uh, woman that my editor, the book was originally called Learning to Laugh When You Feel Like Crying. And she said that is the New York Times bestselling title, never change the title. And she left the company. I got a new an editor and he changed everything, <laughs> including the title became The Healing Power of Humor. Yeah, um, so it took several years uh, with that kind of stop and go. But, uh, you know, would that have been a better title and sold more books? I don't know. As, as we said, it's a what a 40 plus printing, ninth foreign language. It's doing well still. Uh, you didn't want to tell people how old it is, but it's 33 years ago. It was it was published. So and, and it's know, still I selling. And I tell you, uh, when I read this, and I just read that this this year, uh, I said it could have been written yesterday. You know, mm. although the examples, some of the examples, some of the people might not know, but for me, it could have been written yesterday. You know, now I have to thank you for this book because I have a dear friend that's ill right now, so I sent him a copy of this book, and I know it's going to help him a lot. Thank and, you. And I know it's going yeah. to help them as a very, very important gift for him. I, I know it's going to do. And I'm going to share one little passage from here. And it shows the power of exaggeration. Dear mom and dad, I am sorry I have not written, but all my stationery was destroyed when the dorm burned down. I am now out of hospital. And the doctor said that I will be fully recovered soon. I have also moved in with my boyfriend, who, my boyfriend who rescued me, and since most of my things were destroyed in the fire. Oh, yes, I know that you always wanted a grandchild, so you will be pleased to know that I am pregnant, and you will, and you will see him, you'll see the child soon. Yes, uh, <laughs> there was no fire. My health is perfectly fine, and I am not pregnant. In fact, I do not even have a boyfriend. However, I did get a D in French and a C in math and chemistry. And I just wanted to make sure you keep that in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that story. That's a, a good one. Yeah. Thank it you is a good it. story. It is a good story. And, you know, when we write, we forget what we've written many years ago. And, and that's why I thought it was good to uh, go through some of these things, because I, I think it's important uh, that we bring them alive. And can you share with us a couple other techniques people can use to laugh when they feel like crying? Well, one of them is the words we say. You know what? I hear people, they're so negative all the time, and that could bring us down. Let, let me just give you an example. I'll open the book, too. Um, I'll just read some words, and you and people listening, see how you feel. Simple words, unhappy, upset, tears, depressed, gloom, sullen, dark, morose, sad, dismal. Just take a moment, see how you feel with those words, and then see how you feel now with these words. Joyful, mirthful, joking, giggle, happy, glad, silly, cheerful, jolly, delightful, fun. Just yeah. simple words, you know, and what words are we feeding into us all the time? Yeah, and I, I think that's where you need to turn on your humor eyes. 
You have to turn on your <laughs> eyes to look for things th that are funny. Like you bring up one story in one of your books of how uh, there was a headline in a newspaper of how all the toilet seats were stolen in the police station. <laughs> so the policemen have nothing to go on. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but you got to look for funny things. You know, yeah. we really yeah. have to look hard for funny things these days because everything is morose. The sky is black. Everything is going down. And, and really, it's not. The world, you know, when I look at my existence, I, I mean, since the 1900s, there was a great pandemic in the early 1990s. There was a great depression that people went through, through where People lost everything. This was supposed to be another great depression, but, you know, governments responded better this time. And so people didn't lose everything. They did a better job at things. Uh, there were two world wars. There was a Vietnam crisis. There was a Korea crisis. There was an Afghan uh, crisis. You know, how many crises have gone on? And every day, Alan, the sun still shines mm. every day. Things still happen. You know, I look at myself and I say, geez, you know, many years ago, Alan, I was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's wow. disease. And I was told by my neurologist, get my affairs in order. Uh, you have six months to live. Mm. That wow. was, <clears throat> wow. in two th that was in 2003, Alan. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, so either the diagnosis was wrong or uh, I'm one of the longest living ALS patients that's ever existed. So yeah. the point is, you know, we could always look at the dark clouds or we could look at the clouds with the silver lining. And I would encourage people to look at the clouds with the silver lining because it is so much more important. Maybe you could share with us a couple more humorous bites that people can take away so that we can share a bit more on that. Well, I think um, turn a little, not tons of it, because that may bring you down, but a little more humor about yourself. So, for instance, I call myself a, um, I tell people rather, I'm a former expert in how to cure baldness. Former expert. <laughs> and, you know, my father was as bald as I am, and you could not say he was bald. He would get so upset. I don't let it upset me. I make fun of it. I even like it, you know. Um, a lot of women will come over and kiss my head. <laughs> they like it, too. Um, I just celebrate it. So, celebrate who we are. And if we don't like things about ourselves, poke a little fun at us before anyone else can. So if somebody calls me baldy, I don't get upset because I love it. Well, so, with, with myself, Ellen, you know, I'm white haired, you know, I was probably beautiful hair. Yes. So I tell people I'm Alaskan blonde. Alaskan <laughs> blonde. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't have I, a white hair. I'm Alaskan blonde. Right, right. Fabulous. So poke a little fun at yourself, you know, self-effacing humor. Because um, we all have things about ourselves we don't like. You know, sure. and then again, we talked about attitude, but you could always change things with your mind, with your intention. My my uh, TEDx talk is all about intention. So when you wake up in the morning, how do you wake up? You know, if you just put out your one intention for the day, okay, I'm going to find a little humor today. I'm going to be lighter today. I'm going to, you know, be happier today. It's amazing how things come to us that we put out because that's the eyes we're looking at. You talked about humor eyes. If you look at with humor eyes, you start to see the funny side of your life. Yes, I, I think that's, you know, like a racehorse we should put on blinders that allows us to see things in certain ways. It allows us to see things much better. And, and you know, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I once owned a racehorse, a trotter, 
with one of my teachers, Dan Kennedy, who was a, a business owner. Mm-hmm. And when we were buying the horse, I said, with all due respect, Dan, I will buy the back end of the horse. You can buy the front of the horse. He said, why do you want to do that? I said, it eats less. It'll cost me less. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So again, the Huber eyes, the Huber eyes that you have to look at, I think. Yeah. Are there one or two more points you'd like to make before we go to our break? Um, well, one, I think, Step back from laughter and you, first of all, let me just define, and even I use laughter and humor in the same sentence, but they're really a bit different. So just quickly to define it for your audience. Please, please, please. Um, So for me, humor is what we're talking about, seeing the world differently with a different perspective, seeing it lighter. And the humor is when we see that, we start to, <laughs> we start to laugh. So it's the uh, physical expression. Laughter is the physical expression of things we find funny, which we call humorous. Excellent. Excellent. Good point. my definition. And so I think one step before that is remember to smile. And if you can't smile, I have a little technique. You can take a pencil putting your mouth and push it way back. So your mouth is now in the smile position and then take the pencil out and keep your mouth that way. (laughs) That works fine. And I I think smiling is something we don't do enough. And I think laughing is something we don't do enough. Well, Alan, we're at break time again. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we've been speaking with Mr. Alan Klein, a, a humorist, or as I say, a professional speaker that uses humor. He's the world's only jollytologist. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking with Mr. Alan Klein. Uh, Mr. Alan Klein is a professional speaker who uses humor in his speaking presentations. He's the world's only jollytologist. And we're going to talk about his most recent book, and this is it. The Awe Factor. Alan, of all your books, and you've written several, this is your latest, and I think it's your best. And you talk about how how a little bit of wonder can make a big difference in your life. How do you, what do you feel about this book? Well, uh, you know, I came to the book because, you know, as we talked about the healing power of humor and other books, uh, they, are, if I analyze the, what's the baseline, it's that they're all positive. And I realized that I have lived my life that has been, my life has been awesome. <laughs> And that awe is a positive emotion and it's very little acknowledged and or very little understood. And I thought as not only the world's only jollytologist, but also was, I also called myself the ambassador of light. This was one of the elements of light that I need to tell the world about. And so I start collecting stories about it. I start researching it. And um, voila, here is the awe factor. Isn't it fascinating that we're together, Ellen? When I was a cosmetic doctor or a cosmetic surgeon, I was a laser surgeon. And a laser is light. Mm. Uh, The word laser stands for light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. I, boy, that's a big term. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't want to go there, but it was one of the ways we could fix things. And, and I was one of the world's scar correction experts. I could take a real bad burn scar and normalize it through the wonderful powers of the wonderful lasers that we had. So I could take awful burn scars and turn them back to virtually normal. So I was blessed. And to me, that was awe, awe-inspiring. 
That yes, was amazing. And, yeah. Medicine, because- you know, we don't think about it, but medicine and the, the, the capabilities we have today to do things like that. Um, last year, I had a tube put in this eye because of my glaucoma. A tube as thin as a hair is now in my eye. I don't even know it's there. I don't even feel it, but it's keeping my pressure down. Wow. Amazing. That awesome. Is, yes. It is awesome. And truly, you know, when we've just gone through this COVID pandemic and we were able to make a vaccine within a very short period of time that saved the world. I mean, the number of people dying would have been 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, a million times more than we would have had now. Right. And it was truly amazing that these vaccines have come on board with such expediency, with such haste. It is beyond belief. And I don't think people, you know, see it that way. Those things are filled with awe. And so is other, you know, nature. Uh, we can talk about some of that. But so I looked around at my life and I looked around at like experiences I had, like going to the top of Yosemite and I'm walking up a path and someone is walking down and calls over to me, Alan. I didn't recognize him. And he told me, hi, I'm John. I was your apprentice in summer (laughs) stock in summer stock 40 years ago. And I thought, is this not an awe moment? I mean, I could have looked away. He could have not recognized me. He could have turned a different path to be on top of, you know, this mountain uh, up by Vernal Falls in Yosemite, just at the exact same moment that I was there. That, to me, an awe moment. Well, another awe moment. I was in New York, and I went to see the play Wicked a couple of years ago. And a person turned to me and said, Dr. Laika? I, I said, <laughs> yes. She said, you don't recognize me, but I'm one of your patients. I said, well, thank you for introducing yourself. Are you enjoying the play? And she says, there's only one word to describe it. I said, what is that? She said, wicked. Wicked. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I had a similar experience. I was going to Europe and I, a man next to me with his family, his plane was delayed and they were going to miss a show. They had tickets for that night. I was going to New York, I think. And um, I had just written the book, You Can't Ruin My Day. So I gave him a copy of the book and I said, don't let this ruin your day. And you know, that was it. I went on my plane. He was waiting for his delayed flight. And a year later, I was in the theater, just like you were. And at intermission, this man comes up and says, recognize me? And I said, no. And he said, tells me, you know, we met at the airport. And he said, guess what? I read your book while sitting there waiting for this delayed flight. He said, not only do we make our show, but they put us on a different flight and they upgraded us to first class. He said, thank you so much <laughs> for kind of saving my day. And again, that's like an awesome moment that a year later, there we are in the same show at the same time and 1,500 people in the audience and he recognizes me. Well, Alan, that, that you know, I think we have to let opportunities inspire awe in us. You know, I was once traveling. I was traveling from someplace in the east, and I ended up in Toronto. And because everything was delayed because of storms and whatnot, we literally couldn't catch our flights. So, you know, we had to stay all night in the airport. There were no hotel rooms and so on. So the first thing in the morning, we were catching our flights to wherever we were going. And I get to my gate. And there's a group of people from Portugal. They were going to play for the Portuguese embassy in Edmonton. Mm. And they put on this master concert, a concert that I had never seen before, of wonderful Portuguese songs and so on. It was such a delight. And I think about how wonderful it was that I missed my flights in order to see that concert. You know, we really have to think about the good things and things that happen. 
I, I think we really have to think about the awe things that are happening. And we have to turn on, like you say, humor eyes. We have to look, turn on the awe eyes as well that we have. Yeah. Oh, hello. That person's calling back again. <laughs> hello. Would you like to be on this show? We're having a great conversation. We are having a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the you know, this the thing about awe is people think I think there's two myths about it. One that it's rare, that you have to be in a special place at a special time, or something special has to happen. And that's not true. We just had stories about that's not so true. And that um you have to go somewhere special, like the Grand Canyon or Niagara Falls, and that's not true either. Awe is all around us, all around us. I'd like to show you a picture of a flower in my garden. And this awed me, just the colors, the texture, the shape. It's just amazing. The, the, the lines in the petals. It, it's a, one flower in my garden is just filled with awe. Yeah, and, and I, you know. God's gifts to us are flowers. Flowers are beautiful. My father was a gardener and he would make the most amazing geraniums. And they were like trees rather than just flowers. And amazing what flowers can do to make your day beautiful. Oh, yeah. One thing I always had in my office was a fresh bouquet of flowers in the waiting room. So people would understand that this is what it's all about, about beauty, about nature. Maybe that's a dermatologist's office, at least the one I went to, not the one I go to now, but the one before this one, would have these incredible roses, a dozen roses, different colors, every time I went to the office. Well, you know, I taught a number of people in my day, and I always encouraged people to have fresh flowers in their office every day. Right. Well, as a patient, when I came in and there were these bouquets, first I thought they were fake, but they weren't. Um, but it just, it changed my mood. You know, it just uplifted me just looking. It gave me something to look at. The aroma sometimes is incredible. So yes, it changed. It changed how, you know, I wanted to go in the office and see what kind of flowers are going to be in the waiting room today. Um, well, we're getting close to the end of our time together, Alan. Wow. Can you sum up in your, in your, from your book, maybe one sentence or one statement about awe that people should take away? I would like to quote, not me, but Einstein. I think this sums up uh, what the book is and how to live life and see more awe, get more awe in our life. He said, um, there are two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Amazing. Amazing. Alan Klein, I always ask two questions at the end of this. Uh -oh. And they're, <laughs> they're not meant to stump you. They're meant to just elaborate <laughs> on what you said. The first one is, Ellen Klein, how do you live a fantastic life? Oh, my God. Um, I surround myself with people that I enjoy being around. And um, I do stuff that I like to do, like writing, like being in the garden, like being with my dog, um, by, by uh, being part of a spiritual community. Um, those are those are some of some of the things that that is an amazing answer, sir, and that's wonderful. Now, the flip side of this is we have listeners listening to us today. How do you recommend that they can have a more fantastic life? How can they bring out the best in their life? Start a list of all let me let me preface that. I once had a great teacher, and I live my life this way too who taught, taught me to want what we don't have is to waste what we do have. So instead of looking at all the negative stuff, all the stuff that I really don't want in my life that's causing me problems or stress or 
heard or whatever. I look at all the good stuff in my life. So even after my wife died, it took a while, but I stopped doing a list of, okay, I still have a job. I have a house. I have a daughter. I have food to eat. I have great friends. I have a spiritual community. I live in a city I love. I just whatever it is, you know, I have this incredible garden. I have this wonderful rose. I just start writing down the positive wonderful things in your life and putting the sure there's stress and stuff in your life put that a little bit behind you and put the more positive stuff that you love that you treasure cherish in front of you and write those down and keep those in front of you excellent thank you ellen ellen how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to and how can they get copies of your books so the internet's the best way. My website's www.allenkline.com. That's A L L E N Klein K L E I N dot com. That's and it. how can they get your books? Any bookstore can order it or online um, bookshop goes to your local bookstore, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Your choice. All the books are there. Excellent. Thank you, Alan. And thank you for spending this time with me. It has been truly another amazing interview with us. And thank you so much for spending this time. I've enjoyed it immensely. (laughs) Thank you. I have too. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, talk to you soon. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.